0: The Gerontological Society of America Momentum Discussions. Welcome to the Momentum Discussion podcast series where researchers, educators, and practitioners stimulate dialogue on trends with great momentum to advance gerontology. This podcast is one of three in a series about immunization with content developed by GSA and supported by Securus. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Justine Sefcik. I'm an assistant professor at Drexel University College of Nursing and Health Professions in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I'm one of the co conveners for the nursing care of the older adult special interest group at GSA. Today, we'll be talking about boosting immunization rates in long-term care, and I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Barbara Resnick, professor of organizational symptoms and adult health, Co-Director of Biology and Behavior Across the Lifespan Organized Research Center, and Sonia Ziborkin gertiewicz Chair in Gerontology at the University of Maryland School of Nursing, and a member of GSC's National Adults Vaccination Program Workgroup. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Resnick. How are you doing? Great, thank you. Great. To get started, can you tell us about how you got interested in immunization and long-term care?
1: So I would say that I've always been passionate about health promotion. My focus more, whether it's physical activity, appropriate diets for older adults, adherence to medication, all types of health promotion and immunizations really fall within that category. I think my interest at the institutional level is really because it's just shocking to me that the group that's at highest risk because of well immunosenescence which we know about because of living in close proximity because of cognitive issues where you could tell somebody till you're blue in the face to wear a mask and to stay in their room or whatever but that just doesn't work and the fact that There are no policies in many states. Long-term care, a little bit. But in assisted living, there's no requirement. All you have to do is not have TB. But there's very, very few states that even ask about immunization. So to me, it's just appalling. And it's been one of my passions to try and address that, particularly in the assisted living arena where there is absolutely no guidance. But that's really how I became interested. Wow, this is a group that really needs this to be addressed. Nobody ever addresses it because it's not a fire to put out. And so I just have had the opportunity, particularly through the National Adult Vaccine Program, To remind everybody, let's not forget the long-term care settings.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. And so we know you've researched and worked a lot in behavior motivation. What kind of principles can we use to motivate older adults in long-term care to get vaccinated?
1: So I pretty much use the same principles that I do with other health promotion types of activities. And I really take it strongly from a theoretical approach. Starting with the socio-ecological model, which really looks at intrapersonal factors, factors within the individual, whether it's their genetics, um, their beliefs, which we know is very important in this area. Interpersonal interactions, and I'll talk more about those using a self-efficacy based approach. Environmental issues, you have to make it accessible and easy, those types of things. And then policy. And we certainly know policy makes a big difference. With regard to the interpersonal, I use very much at the motivational level, the individual motivational level, the theory of self-efficacy. And there's four areas that truthfully influence behavior. I never measure self-efficacy in people with cognitive impairment. And truthfully, even most people lie. They'll say, yes, their self-efficacy is off the charts, but they don't do the behavior. Uh But the principles uh, that change self-efficacy and alter motivation are very, very helpful. First of all, it's getting somebody to do the behavior. If we think about COVID, if you had your first shot, you lived through it, you were willing to have the second one. Or if you get flu shots every year and don't get the flu, you're willing to translate it. But it's doing the behavior that helps people be motivated. The second is verbal encouragement. Verbal encouragement also involves education, but not solely education. But being told repeatedly that this is something you should do, it's safe, it's good for you, whatever the message is for that individual. The third is role models. Look, your your roommate, she's 99, she got it, she lived through it, whatever you can use. Older adults, many couldn't care less about role models, but for some it's worthwhile and particularly for staff, it may be worthwhile. One of the most important areas of building self-efficacy and changing motivation is getting rid of the unpleasant sensations around a behavior. This is what we see with COVID, whether it's the fear of the pain of the shot, whether it's a belief that the shot is gonna kill you, it's gonna give you COVID, you don't need it, whatever your belief is. Whatever your fear is, those things need to be eliminated. So it's really getting at the core of the issue for the individual and using those basic principles, which I find very helpful. I will tell you, you can't do it once. You may have to work with somebody for six months to get them to get that vaccine. Yeah,
0: thank you for that. And what have you found to be the biggest challenges to increasing vaccination rate in long-term care, both for staff and
1: residents? So I, I think the three biggest areas are really access, policy, and beliefs. So we have to make vaccines accessible. I think good example with COVID, my gosh, how wonderful. They came right to the facility, boom, we did it, right? And I know some facilities did better than others, but I know in my own facility, we had 100 percent. I mean, there was no question you were getting I people who who wouldn't get. They don't get the flu shot because they think the flu shot gives them arthritis, but they got the covid vaccine. So so we really did great bringing it there. If we had to send people out, forget it. And I think about that with shingles. That's my biggest challenge. I have had and done some work to bring immunizations into the facility for shingles, but it's a lot harder to do. So it is access. Policy changes behavior. There's no two ways about it. And particularly in long-term care, they are not going to do anything unless they're required to do it. If they are required to do it, it will be done yesterday. So policy makes a big difference. And beliefs, getting at what people truly believe and helping to make sure those beliefs are accurate and appropriate.
0: So with that last point, are you saying providing education, educational material to address fears?
1: So I think it's more than education. Mm -hmm. Education does not change behavior. You can educate till you turn blue in the face. But if somebody holds on to a belief because they've seen it, their neighbor got immunized and they still got COVID, it's really getting through that. And I know what I did in my facility, if, and we had no problem with residents getting immunized. We had some challenges with some staff, of course. Any staff that didn't get immunized I had their manager have them come talk to me and we sat down and we had chats about really getting at what was stopping them and finding out truly what that issue is. Not that excuse. There's a difference between an excuse and the real issue. And so it's digging, digging, digging sometimes to find that. And then trying to overcome the belief. Sometimes it's very, very difficult. Some people have a, a, a rationale, if you will, at some level for that belief, but it's really getting as deep as you can into it.
0: Well, thank you for sharing. It sounds like that was a time-intensive intervention, but was successful because you said you had 100% immunization rate among the staff.
1: But, well, uh, we had about 80% with staff. Uh, hundred percent with residents, but it was successful. It was so much fun to see. I would have people that were like saying no on the day they were there and they would, well, I'll go out to my car and get my identification then and I'll, I'll do it. And that just, yeah, made a big difference.
0: Great. Thank you for sharing. So thinking more about recent research and long-term care, what do you think are the most interesting findings about the recent research, uh, including any lessons learned from the COVID vaccine
1: programs? So to me, a lot of this is around policy and making clear policies to change behavior and make all people safe and immunized. And that's clearly the the quickest way and easiest way to do it. We have done it with wearing seatbelts, smoking cessation, only in you can't smoke anywhere. So yeah, might as well quit. And I think we've also seen it with immunizations. And we're going to see what happens in the coming months when it's required. Yes, we are losing some staff in these settings, but My uh, philosophy is these staff are going to come back because no matter where else they go, they're going to have to get immunized as well. If they're working in the grocery store, wherever they are. So I, I think policy and the impact of policy has been an interesting thing. And then I'm very excited because I do a lot of dissemination and implementation research. And I think we're also, you know, raising awareness of how you disseminate health-promoting behaviors and also implement them within settings of care. We have a lot to learn still about that, but I think there is increased focus.
0: Well, thank you. That that leads to my follow-up question of what do you, we still need to better understand about long-term
1: care? So I I think we need to continue to explore the best ways to change behavior. And I I think we have to change our expectations, truthfully. Everybody wants that one magic bullet. And you know what? There isn't one. There's principles. And that's, again, why I like the self-efficacy approach. There's many things that we need to do with individuals to change their behavior, but there is not one way to do it and that's okay. You know, uh, uh, researchers, the National Institutes of Health, everybody wants to be the one famous person that fixes it all. And I think we have to just look at a smorgasbord, what works in, what, what is the process that works, but at the individual level, it's going to be different. So I think we need to learn that, come to terms with it, and use it.
0: Okay. And what would you say to new practitioners or researchers who are interested in aging and immunization?
1: So I really encourage people to become immunization champions within their their own settings and within their own lives. And I am the immunization nudge within my own facility. I know that. I fought for years about changing what flu shots were given, among other things, getting shingles vaccines into the setting. So it really takes a passion. And within the National Adult Vaccine Program, we have a program called ICAMP where we train champions. And I encourage all of you to explore that and reach out to us if you're interested because It's a great way to think about leading within your settings and within your communities for how to really move immunizations forward.
0: All right. Well, before we wrap up our talk today, what is one last message that you'd like to leave for our listeners about long term care and immunization?
1: Well, first of all, I say get immunized yourself. And the other thing. I encourage you all to identify one person in your facility, whether it's a resident or a staff member that you know has not been immunized. I know it's supposed to be a secret, but these things leak out. Or you can ask and if they respond. But find one person who has not been immunized and take the time to find out why not. And see if you can work with them individually to change that belief and to make a difference. Because my philosophy with behavior change and behavior change is very, very difficult. But my philosophy has always been, and I tell the teams I work with if we change the behavior of one person, you've done a miracle. And so take the time to try and do that. you, You may really be surprised. Because as you reach out, you know what that shows? It shows you care. You care enough about that individual to be in their face, to keep asking, and to keep trying to get them immunized. And that in and of itself can change behavior.
0: Yeah, what a great message. Thank you very much. And thank you for sharing your wealth of knowledge and experience with us today on this podcast. Thank you to our audience for joining us today. To learn more about GSA's work on immunization, please visit navp.org or email navp at To learn more about the Gerontological Society of America, visit geron.org. The Gerontological Society of America was founded in 1945 to promote the scientific study of aging, cultivate excellence in interdisciplinary aging research, and education to advance innovations in practice and policy. For more information about GSA, visit GERON.org.